have a fresh update on hops grown in Maryland. You want FDA regulations? Because this is how you get FDA regulations, part two. Sun's out, kegs out, Firestone's moving to solar. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer, the last vestige of current events that's not marred by pointless fights and absolute moralism, unless hazy IPAs, hazy IPAs enter the conversation, in which case we're all fucked. Fuck it, It's All Beer. Uh, Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. How you doing today, Tyler? Congrats- uh, pretty good. Congratulations are in order. You may have noticed if you follow us on a regular basis that we took yet another unannounced a week off. Sorry about that, but for good purpose. Um, Tyler is now a married man, or I guess increasingly married. I don't know how you want to uh, uh, quantify this, but... Uh, she was so nice, I married her twice. <laughs> uh, a little bit of backstory. Uh, Tyler, uh, Tyler's wedding, as you probably, we've talked about before, uh, Tyler's wedding had was slightly affected by the COVID. Um, yep. And so they postponed the actual ceremony until uh, uh, this last weekend. And uh, how did it go? It went excellent. Uh, We had plenty of masks for everyone who wanted to wear, hand sanitizer at every table setting. Uh, We only ended up having about 80 people there. So it was smaller than the original, about 180 people we were expecting. Uh, So it was super awesome. Real close friends and family. Uh, we all had a good time, stayed safe, had fun. Uh, so I'm, I, uh, hopefully, uh, I think me and Tyler are done with like major life changes <laughs> affecting our podcast output. Um, hopefully, I don't know. How are you doing on the kid front? Is that uh, uh, is, is that coming next? We got some time. So. <laughs> <laughs> kind of feel like that's the next one, and it's a pain in the ass. In fact, we're going to try to hammer out this podcast quick, fast, and in a hurry so I can go feed my son and my wife can sleep. So, uh, Tyler, what are we drinking today? Uh, so we are drinking the Soko Vesa from Stone Brewing. And as you'll notice in the pictures Jeremy's going to post later, uh, the <laughs> labels are upside down. Leave no stone unturned. We talked about this a couple episodes ago. When looking for lawsuits, um, it's I, I still characterize this as like this is one of those ideas that should have been like eliminated during early brainstorming. It really should have. I, I was actually I was showing somebody our stouts at uh, our our bottle shop today, and it took every fiber of my being not to when I put the Choco Vesa back on the shelf to put it upside upside down. down. Or right side up. Stone, what is wrong with you? And then another cool little marketing thing on this beer. Uh, I noticed they have the stone-like gargoyle punched out on the tab. But more importantly, back to the beer. It's their kind of like, almost like Mexican mocha-inspired stout. It was a homebrew competition they ran. That One of the homebrewers came up with this recipe. It won. They brewed this beer, and it became an instant hit. Um, and so I can rem- – Jeremy, can you remember correctly what all is in it? Or um, Well, according to the uh, uh, can, which I now have to hold very awkwardly so I don't spill it on my keyboard, um, yep. it is a, a imperial stout – Brewed with bacilla peppers, vanilla, cinnamon, and nutmeg. Um, I'm with you. This is one of my favorite um, uh, releases from Stone. Actually, one of the few beers from Stone I still look forward to. I'm going to say something controversial. Not as good as I think last year or previous years. 100%. Okay. I, had, <laughs> I had heard this year's was a little flat. There's something in the middle of it that just kind of lingers that I'm not really a fan of. I don't get any pepper i don't get any spice whatsoever the chocolate is kind of overbearing um it just it's this is gonna sound weird it seems disorganized uh like maybe it's just because that's my opinion of stone right now but it's like the chocolate is overwhelming there's no pepper um it's not as smooth i mean this this beer was there's no balance right um I'm. This is. I, I. I'm falling out of love with this beer, even as I drink it. 
And I used to love having this beer and then aging a couple. Right. Be- because with like a year's age on it, it was always just fantastic. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think this year's would be good aged. I mean, I don't think it could get any worse. It's not a bad beer. I'm going to, that, that makes it sound bitchy. Like, this is a fucking terrible beer. It's not bad. It's just not as, <laughs> I wouldn't. If, if I had this last year, if I had this beer for the first time and it showed up again this year, I would not buy it. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember that beer. Eh. It was I. It was it was okay, you know. It was like a it, – it, it very much was like a, a, a an old girlfriend. Uh, it was okay at the moment, but I don't think I want it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Sorry, Stone. Not sorry. This is again not bad. Not as good as it was. I something's something is wrong. Tend to your house, Greg. So, Jeremy, what do we got next? All right, uh, we're got a we got a new story on Tyler's favorite style of beer. Oh fuck me! <laughs> Gluten free beer, the basis of Tyler's favorite offering from Stone. Speaking of our new favorite brewery, <laughs> the delicious. It was IPA. such a terrible beer. <laughs> His hatred. If they would have put it on the fucking label that it was a gluten-free beer, I wouldn't have been near as mad. Interesting that you mentioned though that it wasn't on the label uh, as a gluten a gluten-free beer because that's kind of what uh, what this uh, um, uh, this article is about. Uh, this actually comes from craftbeer.com by Caitlin Gippel. Um, now, to be spe- specific. Um, the delicious IPA and, um, a lot of those produced like the one, like the gluttony by new Belgium is gluten uh, reduced, right? Is correct. Is gluten reduced. Um, and there is a difference now, mostly, uh, I, I feel like I'm one of the few people that's made this distinction in the retail industry. Maybe it's cause I'm just, I'm just a pedantic fuck. Um, which <laughs> I mean, it sort of works well in the craft beer industry. I I get a lot of like bizarre looks when I was explaining this to people at a grocery store, um, but I think most people in retail just like yeah, gluten free, gluten reduced. It don't matter, you health fad humping hipster dickweed. <laughs> but like, if you're actually super sensitive <laughs> to gluten, it makes a huge difference. If you actually have celiacs, then yeah, uh, well, you just made me feel like a giant asshole. And that's not polite. That's on you. Stop having the celiacs. So, yeah, it's <laughs> the best way I could describe gluten-free, gluten-reduces the happy Gilmore scene. Green jacket, gold jacket, who gives a shit? <laughs> Well, and that's what this, I mean, that's what this is about. So let's, so let's, I want to back up a little bit. What is the difference between, uh, uh, well, uh, gluten-free and gluten-reduced? I mean, uh, uh, you know, to start off with beer, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, hopefully you know by now that we make beer from barley. Um, barley has gluten. It's a protein in, uh, uh, that's naturally contained in the grain. Um, and it does set off people with celiacs or other people who are sensitive to that particular protein. Um, as a response to uh, an increasing uh, um, uh, uh, call for uh, for uh, beers without gluten, um, a lot of breweries have started producing gluten-free or gluten-reduced beers. But here's the here's the kicker: um, gluten-reduced means you're still brewing beer from uh, uh, from barley. Um, and then adding an enzyme uh, that basically breaks down the gluten protein um, uh, within, you know, ostensibly within um, uh, uh, levels that shouldn't be, shouldn't affect people who are sensitive. Um, but, uh, um, and then there's literally gluten free um, where they are making, a, where they're making beer from, um, uh, from, uh, 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 great they're making beer from sources other than barley um if it sounds like i'm distracted right now it's because tyler found the background function <laughs> this is the problem with doing this via video chat <laughs> i was honestly i was like i'm gonna see how many backgrounds i can change before he starts going what the fuck so the fact that i basically went through like half of them Means you did a good job. 
<laughs> I was in my mind. I'm going. Do I even bring this up because this is not a video podcast, nor is anybody going to see it? But I feel it's important to. If our listeners don't already know what a child at heart Tyler is, um, yeah, he spent that entire spiel of switching the background on his video and really tripping. Anyway, <laughs> long story short, there is so there is a distinction. Um, uh, you know, uh, the point is, is that the gluten reduce when you use the enzyme, uh, it does still contain gluten. Now without going way deep into this into the science and actually the article goes pretty deep into the parts per million that are considered okay you know uh, for sensitive people versus um you know what's considered not okay you know etc 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 what the exact guidelines are um long story short um ostensibly uh the enzyme would make it take it below that threshold but for a true gluten-free beer um, it needs to be made for something other than barley. Like sorghum, buckwheat. And there are some breweries that are that are doing that and uh, and who, by the way, have uh, led the call for um, increased regulation. And that's where the uh, actually the FDA, um, as of August, uh, did step in. Um, it, they they finalized the definition and the labeling requirements for gluten free foods, including beer. Um, and they basically, you know, finalized that distinction. Previously, you could put gluten free on, uh, you know, on a beer that was gluten reduced um, without, you know, any problem, except for uh, the breweries actually producing true gluten free beer, and actually customers who, uh, you know, who are uh, who are gluten sensitive. Um, who would buy a, you know, something that said gluten-free on the label and still find themselves getting sick. In fact... And it, shitting their brains out. Right. In fact, it was a big enough problem um, that apparently at one point in time, there was a Facebook um, group called um, I Drank Gluten-Free Beer and Still Got Sick. I went looking for this group. I could not find it. I may try again. Um, but at one point in time, according to this article, it existed. So uh, the FDA has stepped in um, and they basically have uh, uh, said that to label your beer gluten free, it has to be made from true gluten free products. Um, everything else can be labeled gluten reduced, but uh, they cannot use that label. So to have the gluten free distinction, like I know, like Groundbreaker out of Portland they only do gluten-free beers, all not gluten-reduced. It's all gluten-free. There is not a drop of gluten in that facility. Do you have to be that far, or is can you make regular beers and then also do a gluten-free beer? Um, you know, it didn't. The article didn't mention how stringent that was, um, although it did mention that. I mean, what it did kind of go into, which I thought was interesting, and part of the reason that. Um, people uh, were getting sick despite even gluten reduced because it says that um, when tested, um, these the gluten uh, content of these gluten reduced beers was well under any threshold that anybody would be uh, being affected by it. Um, one of the problems, the one of the problems they ran into, was um, the fact that um, they have found that while the enzyme so you imagine gluten as this like long protein chain uh the enzyme will actually break down that protein chain and then and thus make it uh, um um uh uh invisible to uh, uh the testing methods for that but the thing is is that the thing that might that makes people sick is probably still there uh, uh okay just not you know not in a form that that can be tested it's kind of like you know, it's. Uh, I was trying to think of an analogy, and the best I could come up with was removing lead from a bullet. Um, yeah, you've removed one of the things that could be dangerous, but the core the, the core problem is still there. You know, vis a vis metal traveling at high velocity. I herpes, and you weren't having a flare up, <laughs> but yours is probably a little better. Well, yours is more torted, so, you know, maybe more in line with this particular podcast. 
uh, particular podcast. But um, I mean, so there was so um, there's a lot of questions about um, about whether even gluten reduced is um, is even you know worth anything other than uh, marketing. In fact, um, a lot of like I said, a lot of this, uh, a lot of the push for um, these new FDA regulations actually comes from uh, the gluten free. Br- uh, Gluten-Free Brewers Group. Uh, it's a collection of brewery owners that specialize in gluten-free beers. Um, and, um, you know, they uh, they had some comments um, um, along, the, you know, when these, when these came out. You know, it was a victory for them, but, I mean, it was a victory but a compromise um, is the way they saw it. Um, uh, in one statement, uh, just as the only treatment for celiac disease is a completely gluten-free diet, the only true safe beer Pro, uh, the only safe beer product to consume are those that are made from a hundred percent gluten-free ingredient. Uh, that comes from uh, J.P. Beerly at uh, Beerly Brewing, or Barley Brewing. Um, I want to say Barely Brewing. <laughs> Just <laughs> my I'll allow it. Bitchy I'll allow self. It. Bitchy self. Um, uh, real talk. Um, gluten-free beers are at best passable. But um, that being said, I'm luckily not gluten. Uh, I, I'm not gluten intolerant, and so I suppose if I developed that, I'd be thankful for anything that sort of tasted like beer that was, you know, that didn't make me want to, sh- but didn't make me have to shit my brains out. Although part of me would just take the lactose intolerant approach with cheese. <laughs> you would just every once in a while just get violently drunk on beer strap yourself to the toilet and you're like this is happening and it was worth it and paint the walls brown baby <laughs> um but um uh uh karen hertz of um uh, holla daily brewing um she added uh kind of kind of uh, uh, illustrating the compromise that the group feels they made we are glad there's a difference between gluten-free and gluten-removed uh, labeling and excuse me, I keep saying gluten reduced. Uh, the official label is gluten removed. Um, okay. Um, you know we're so anyway. Uh, uh, we're glad that there's a difference between the gluten free and the gluten removed labeling for beers, but ultimately there shouldn't even be a gluten removed category. It's either gluten free or it's not. We will keep advocating for that as a group. So, oh damn. So I mean, them their point is um, you know even giving a concession to um uh you know things like delicious ipa gluten gluteny full sale i think has a line of gluten free you know gluten reduced beers i mean omission uh yeah omission thank you um so i guess what i'm saying uh to tyler is there's a whole group that like you believes the delicious ipa should not exist hell yeah brother that was i'm gonna join this I am going to join this group, and we are going to run the crusade to ban the delicious IPA. That was really the whole point of this entire story, is just to let Tyler know that there are people like him who believe the uh, uh, the delicious IPA should not exist. Them for legitimate feel, reasons. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like if I went to one of these meetings, I'd be like, let's ban the delicious IPA. I'd be like Cartman, and they'd be like, we just really want the epic. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good reason too. But first, let's get rid of this. That's the true culprit. <laughs> and they'd be like, "Oh, okay. Yeah, let's do it." Tyler, you are indeed the Eric Cartman of the beer industry. <laughs> Thank you. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. All right, as the uh, Cartman of the beer industry, what's next? Well, you know the saying, "Sun's out, guns out." Firestone's going, sun's out, kegs out. <laughs> I, I'm only vaguely aware of sun's out, guns out, because, you know, I have no guns. No, no, no. Sun's out, guns out means when the sun's shining, you wear a tank top. No, I understand that. Oh, okay. But we're also in Idaho, so I think actually there are people wandering around who out, who honestly believe <laughs> who are, who are walking around with AR-16s, you know, in uh, you know, in the height of summer. 15s whatever some <laughs> i'm a dirty liberal commie bastard what do you want from me you said it not me uh well 
Firestone uh, found an article from Paso Robles Daily News um, talking about how Firestone Walker um, just flipped the switch on one of the largest on-site solar arrays of the craft beer industry. A 9.7-acre, 2.1-megawatt insulation um, that's going to offset the majority of their energy uses uh, and account for nearly 6 million cases of beer brewed annually. Damn. Yeah. So, uh, to give you a little bit of the system they just installed, um, they and so they have a 2.1 megawatt solar array and 281 kilowatt solar carport uh, that they built with REC Solar and the unregulated affiliate of Duke Energy. So the offset is going to be equivalent to 3,231 metric tons of carbon emission annually. Uh, it's enough power to power the equivalent of 500 average U.S. homes annually. And it's equal to the carbon sequestered by 4,220 acres of mature U.S. forest. Um. I mean, we should, so they ha- I mean, we should probably state for the record that, I mean, brewing beer is an energy-intensive process. 100%. There's, there, there's hot water being shot all over the place. There's boiling. There's cooling. There's, um, there's and it all of- has to happen quick. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, if, if you're, yeah, if you're unaware of the whole process, all you know is there's a lot of, like, uh, temperature. Uh, there's a lot of temp- temperature happening. There's a lot of temperature happening. Yeah. That's my official. So, that's how. <laughs> what's brewing beer like? There's a lot of temperature happening. Yep. <laughs> so it's projected to generate 4,055 megawatt hours of electricity each year. Uh, and then if you add the output of the smaller solar carport insulation, it bumps it up to 4,570 megawatt hours of electricity. Um. So they actually jump in and talk about how if this article, if my phone will actually work, then uh, I can dive in a little more. But <laughs> Please stand they... by while we're waiting for uh, <laughs> uh, for uh, Tyler out in the wilds of uh, Nampa, Idaho uh, to get the internet again. <laughs> God damn you, CenturyLink. <laughs> <laughs> CenturyLink, you are the worst. They are. Speaking of that, I have to call them a bitch at them. Uh, <laughs> what right now <laughs> almost uh everybody stand but... by while kyler calls century link we're gonna be on hold for the next uh couple of hours i feel so everybody grab a beer um i hope you have a long commute <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if people don't know a lot of breweries have tried to run different efforts to reduce their carbon footprint whether it's recapturing co2 uh to reuse the CO2 so less carbon emissions going out, uh, treating their wastewater so it's less energy to retreat that wastewater, uh, and so there's more water available, uh, and different things like that. Uh, we uh, did well, a, I think, I can't remember either you or I brought the story just before we went on summer break about the uh, bre- uh, the brewery in, um, in uh, uh, Australia using uh, algae. Um, yep but you know the same basic concept yep so uh they actually talk about how they've been adding a lot of other options here in the last couple years to reduce their carbon footprint outside of the solar panels they've added advanced recovery systems to allow kettle steam to be captured and reused for heating the wart reducing the further further usage Hmm. of natural gas and electricity um, they have a process water brewery process water is treated on site and then returned to the local aquifer. Um, and they also use specialized equipment, loop systems, and engineering strategies to conserve and reuse water. So, like, I know at least at one of the breweries I've worked at before, when you're running through the plate chiller to cool out after the boiling wort, they'll transfer the 
water that's coming out hot back into the hot liquor tank so you have to use less energy to heat up the hot liquor tank because it's already mm -hmm. coming out hot and you're not just wasting the water mm -hmm. um they've uh added led lighting throughout the brewery and uh of course as most people know spent grains from the brewing process get sent to local farmers to make delicious food I mean, pigs love that shit. And cows. And cows. Although I, I, I do have a really good recipe for spent grain pizza dough that uh, that is is quite nice. And actually, uh, Nebraska Brewing uh, in Bellevue, Nebraska, near where I used to live, uh, they did spent grain spent grain pizza, and it was amazing. You know, I think one episode we need to do a cooking with Jeremy and Tyler, and make spent grain pizza. Let's do it. Right before, well, right. I guess it seems like a right. That's a, a a right before holiday break uh, uh, activity. Yep, and <laughs> just get hammered. Oh geez, I mean that would be a good time since we are still doing these remotely, and you know you don't have to then go back home afterwards. We just get absolutely shit faced uh, 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 here, and you know we just pass out wherever we are, respectively. I just gotta order us the chef's hat. Perfect. Uh, and also Firestone Walker, uh, well done. Uh, appreciate the effort. Yeah, and kind of the main point why I wanted to bring this up is it's awesome seeing a brewery of that size because they're, what, top 15, I want to say, in production size, I mean, U.S. annually? Yeah, and uh, and they're owned by... Uh, uh, Duval? Duval, yeah, du Duval Morat. Yes. Or however so you pronounce it, that. It was awesome seeing them do that, and hopefully it inspires some smaller breweries if they can figure out a way through grants or whatever to be able to be a little more sustainable. I mean, it's it's uh, it's I mean, very energy intensive industry, and it's it's good to see. Like, yeah, this is this is how we find a way forward is by the you know the experimentation uh going on i mean and and anderson valley is famously uh you know been at the forefront of this uh with yep. their solar you know uh their entire production run to my knowledge is solar powered so i think yeah almost all of it so so you know i mean there's anderson valley sitting there in the wing like we've been doing this from since day one you fuck nuts yeah that's what happens when you're or whatever the boon too is. far forward is is everyone forgets about it? Whatever the bootling uh, 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 equivalent of fuck nut is, which I'm guessing is fuck nut. Probably. It usually translates pretty close. So, Jeremy, what we got next? Uh, well, it's tis the season for um, for uh, uh, some for some uh, organizations to start coming out with their uh, best beers of 2020. Or, you know, so this is the best beers of 2020, or at least something that doesn't suck during this dumpster fire of a year news now. Um, Which, speaking of that, have you moved to beer number two yet? Or We're getting into that. I'm getting into that right now. So we're opening um, a, a beer from uh, American Solera. This is their uh, Terpy Nelson. Um, this will become important a little bit later in, you know, my little spiel here, but... Let's get into this now. So American Solera is a brewery that we can we uh, get via the 12% distribution chain. They are the... There's something about Oklahoma. I wish we had the equivalent here in Idaho. But there are breweries in the wilds of Oklahoma that are doing amazing work. Uh, these guys are from uh, Tulsa, uh, and of course, there's Prairie from uh, Curbs. Um, I thought it was Krebs. Krebs. Okay. Th thank you. Yeah, Krebs. Um, something about, and I've been to Oklahoma looking for craft beer. Uh, this was nigh on, shit, getting, getting almost 10 years ago. Fuck you. Uh, fuck you, time. <laughs> Not quite, yeah, yeah, five years, five, ten years ago. Um, uh, ten years ago, Jeremy, I was graduating from high school. I suddenly want you to die of something horrible. Not COVID per se, but I don't know. Can you die of herpes? I don't know. 
Okay. Well, I, I think you can die of, is it chlamydia you, or gonorrhea? I think you're thinking of syphilis. Syphilis. Yeah. There we go. That's a good one. You go insane, but I mean, that, that, that seems good. I'm going to wish you die of herpes because it's not possible. So it's not a viable threat. <clears throat> when I herp your asshole, it will herp your ass. Oh, so anyway, this beer, I mean, it's got a really, <laughs> just move past it. Just move past it. <laughs> it's got a... um, I do get, uh, they obviously use Nelson Savin because I get that almost like pear, white wine, aroma, hop flavor on it. I don't know. Uh, I, I know a lot of people are on the fence about Nelson Savin. You? I like it. Um. It's never been something that has, like, just blown me away. But nine times out of ten, I like it when it's in a beer. So, um, The now defunct Alpine uh, 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 brewery uh, had their Nelson IPA, which I dearly miss. But this is, this is fucking delicious. Oh, this is very good. It doesn't drink like it's 8%, though. Jeez, is it 8%? Okay. Yep. So we're having two 8% beers uh, in a go. All right. So everybody knows where this went off the rails. Let's get into this. All right. The best beers <laughs> of 2020. Let's start with Zymergery Magazine. Um, uh, the, uh, the first thing, to, I mean, the they came out with their, uh, with, with their uh, uh, top ratings. Um, Zymergery Magazine... Um, is the it, basically how they do their yearly uh, review of beers is uh, all the subscribers to the magazine, which are mostly members of the uh, American Homebrewers Association um, or avid homebrewers. Uh, yeah, um, they you know they weigh in on their on their uh, uh, their favorite beers, and for a what always surprises me is that for a uh, a list that's compiled pretty much via public opinion, albeit an educated and probably very geeky, not probably, extremely geeky and pedantic public opinion, but public opinion nonetheless, this list uh, remains very stable. In fact, I would, I feel like this list is more stable than um, the, than the uh, results of most of your big brewery competitions. I don't know. Yeah. Take that for what it's worth. I mean, for instance, the top three spots have not changed. Number one, Bell's Two Hearted. Two Hearted. Mm-hmm. Number two, um, and that's been that way for four years, four years, five years, somewhere around there. Um, around at that point in time, they unseated number two, which was Pliny the Elder, um, which held the number one spot for I don't know how many years. Uh, number three, yeah. number three, still holding is um, is uh, a Sierra Nevada's Pale Ale, which. I find it amazingly heartwarming and perplexing that the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale continues to hold a top five spot and it's set in the top three spot for the second year running. Um, I think part of that has to do with a lot of the age of most homebrewers is going to be older, so they're going to look back on those beers specifically with more nostalgia and they are the people that actually do know what the style guidelines are going to be and there's going to be more apt to say this is true to style or this is what we think of when we think of this style that's what makes it good um yeah fair enough unfortunately the uh the hobby isn't dying but it's definitely aging um, I, I, I have noticed that being one of the, at, you know, pushing 40, being one, uh, one of the younger people at, you know, still actively, uh, uh, uh still actively make, uh, uh, homebrewing beer. Although it is something that, you know, every once in a while you, yeah, a younger person finds and gets interested in. It's, it's going to be one of those things. Especially when they realize they can make beer without having to be 21. Well, uh, that's a whole different issue. <laughs> Um, but, uh, uh, I think, I mean, the, the, the people who st- th- enjoyed its heyday 
in the uh, the 80s and 90s before the craft beer revolution really like took hold. Um, and a lot of these people who are doing it and got into it in a big, bad way did so because that was the only way to get good beer. And so now the people getting into it, it'll be interesting to see how the hobby develops because um, now if you're getting into home brewing, it's not because that's the way to get good beer. It's because you have a passion for the the art and the science of the of of, of the process. So yeah, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how that it uh, that evolves. Um, any anyway, um, uh, the without going through the entire list, um, I wanted to point point out a few interesting things that I saw. Um, the first thing I noticed was that founders dropped quite a little bit, uh, in, you know, in their representation in the uh, top ten. Uh, um, uh, list uh, last year uh, KBS was at number four and the all day IPA was at number seven um, and the brewery uh, they rate the uh, best 10 or they rate the top 10 breweries uh, it was number two right behind bells uh, this year um, KBS dropped all the way to number seven um, all day IPA wasn't even on the list and oh wow they are number four behind Sierra Nevada and Russia River so you could say that the readers of Zymergy do see color. You know what I? When that I mean I, I kind of wonder if that wasn't a factor. If that I mean because this is kind of a public opinion poll. This isn't like with a blind taste test beers. This is a what is your favorite beer kind of situation. Yeah, and so I can't help but wonder that if you know that th this little blip on the radar is a little bit of the like a little bit of uh, uh, fuck you. I mean, not exactly fuck you, but like tangible evidence of a little bit of fall from grace. Um, yeah, here's another weird thing: Stone and Firestone Walker remain tied for the second year running at number ten. I feel they have both stagnated to a certain point, although you've just went an entire story about how they're moving forward. But I mean, but that's just the point. Firestone hasn't stagnated in the way that Stone has. And we did a, I did a whole spiel about that a couple episodes ago. And I'm actually sort of surprised to see Stone on the list at all, because I don't see a single, uh, I mean, you know, even on the list of like uh, top 20 beers, Stone has not a single beer on that list anymore. And, even before the bizarre lawsuit uh, with, you know, when they're picking a fight between a small bar, picking a fight to a small brewery in Kentucky, public opinion f for Stone has fallen a little bit. But I think, like I said, there's still that nostalgia. I mean, how many home brewers have you met that like Stone was one of the first craft beers they got into? I mean, as one of those people as one of those home brewers yeah I sort of understand and sympathize but i'm i i find that i mean again tied for the second year running with firestone walker i mean it's not the yeah. fact it's not the fact that it you know that they're above or behind but still tied so that's i don't know i find that i find that interesting interpret that where you will um i think me and tyler you know have our opinions but <laughs> i'd put firestone walker ahead um and um, it was also interesting um, uh, on the top ten uh, uh, beer list. This popped up at number ten. Um, North Coast Old Rasputin just popped up. Damn. And so, and this is actually, never say die. And, and actually, this was a so what I and I they also do a list for the top beers in every state. And I also found something sort of kind of interesting um, as 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 I was going through this. There seems to be a trend. Um, for these like, and I think this is, and my theory, and I think it, you know, it's reasonable, is that people are rediscovering these old favorites during the COVID times, as we've mm -hmm. talked about many, many times that, uh, you know, people are going to the, uh, to the, uh, uh, going to the legacy brands. Yeah. They're finding, they're rediscovering these again. And so I can't help but wonder if old Rasputin is not on that list because people are rediscovering it. Um, and like I said, there, I've, I see a lot of this state by state. Now, let's first of all, let's uh, I want to I think congratulations are in order um, here in Idaho. Uh, Mad Swede took it this year with uh, the helm of all. Oh, damn, they're oatmeal porter. Yeah. 
Nice. Congratulations. So uh, they unseated Barbarians. Um, uh, uh, sa- uh, I forget which one it was. The Ragnarok Sour. There it is. Um, uh, so congratulations to Mad Swede. Uh, congratulations, uh, Jerry, and all the people down there. Love your beer. They're increasingly the, the they're increasingly the brewery to watch more and more. I I, I feel, um, but um, back on the idea of like legacy breweries, uh, like like popping up a little bit more. Um, this year, Colorado picked the Odell IPA, Woo! which I found interesting because last year was Weldworks uh, with their hazy IPA. Um. Now, this could also be people sort of falling out of love with hazies, but because, I mean, I've also noticed fewer hazies on the list this year. Yeah. So you can interpret it in one of two ways, either people or a combination of two. Um, people falling out of love with hazies or people like rediscovering legacies. Um, Hawaii, um, the uh, uh, last year was Aloha Brewing uh, with their Saison. This year, old good old AB InBev. Um, and Kona's Golden Ale. Uh, uh, Kona in Hawaii now is its own separate entity now. That deal finalized. I still call them AB InBev. Um, the rest of the world, they're AB InBev, but Hawaii, <laughs> they are not. Um, Kansas uh, went to Free State Brewing. That's actually the oldest brewery in Kansas. Um, they actually started the minute uh, home brewing became legal in the state of Kansas was which was not 1970 something or other like it was in the rest of the country. It was actually 2001. Ooh. Kansas is a terrible state, <laughs> but they actually unseated uh, Walnut Rivers Coffee Porter, and Pennsylvania went from uh, Trog's Nugget uh, 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 Imperial uh, Amber uh, to Victory's Prima Pills. Ooh, that's an oldie but a goodie. Yeah, I mean that's and that's kind of the. If there's a trend to be seen here, um, that's kind of what I noticed. The one exception I noticed um, comes from Nebraska because, you know, when the nation yings, Nebraska yangs. I have a soft spot in my heart for that state. I've lived there for a number of years. And... I, I know you do. <laughs> it's a, kind of a weird, uh, a weird, fun state that way. Um, they went from... Uh, 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 they went from a Nebraska brewing, which we've talked about a couple times already, uh, their Menage a Trois, which is a you know a Belgian golden, uh, to a, a a hazy by cross strain. So, hmm. like most things, uh, Nebraska is about five to ten years behind the times. They just discovered hazies, so I think <laughs> that's how you have to interpret that. They're like, guys, guys, guys. <laughs> Have you tried this new style of beer called a hazy IPA? South Park famously did a uh, a, a a bit on that where Nebraska it's still 1995 there, <laughs> and you know what? They're not wrong. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's uh, uh, Zymergery. Um, also, who came out with a list of their uh, favorite? Uh, uh, their top 20 uh, beers uh, was uh, beerandbrewing.com. I'm not going to go through all of them, but there was a few I did want to highlight. Um, and I rarely do this, but I'm just going to read the exact, because the language they use is so good and so flowery that I almost, it's like, I don't know why I want to in- try to interpret this. I want to just read their words. So I just want to read a couple of their top 20 picks. Um, my favorite was uh, their uh, uh, reception of Omnipolo Bianca Blueberry Maple Chocolate Peanut Butter Pancake Laze Goza. It is topped by a picture. So this is a like a a frozen beer. It's black with a thick frozen purple head, and it has a member. Uh, this I'm gonna post this picture up 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 on our social media. It has a uh, a picture of one of their uh, uh, their judges looking at it like a dog that's just been shown a card trick. <laughs> <laughs> and this is their review of the uh, of this beer. When describing beer, aroma, flavor are the two most considered elements. Between them, normally, it's possible to capture about 90% of what makes the beer special, interesting interesting or noteworthy. 
mouthfeel plays a role, but texture is not always properly considered. Omnipolo's experimental approach to serving their heavily fruited, quick sour beers turns that assumption on its head, with time, texture, and temperature all key considerations. We've seen plenty of beer shoved in slushy machines over the past few years in order to garner a few Instagram likes. Western Collective, I'm looking in your direction. But the aesthetic alone does not make for a unique experience. Omnipolo's approach radically departs from the college bar frozen drink vibe. Western Collective, I'm looking in your direction. That seems seems pervasive, opting instead for a feeling more Jose Andres than TGI Fridays. <laughs> um, and the see what was the other one? One of them was um, actually from, like I said, well. I've said we were going to get to it, and um, here we are. Uh, just give me a second to find it. Oh, American, so American Solera is, let's say, it just popped up on my radar this year um, for their IPAs, and it made their list, um, uh, their Cool Ship Road Trip. Um, uh, it's actually a, a wild fermented beer. And they say uh, time is a crucial ingredient in spontaneous beer, but Cool Ship Road Trip brings another dimension, space. The collaborators brewed the word at Jester King in Texas, then drove it to American Solera in Oklahoma. It began in fermenting along the way, before it was barreled and later blended in Tulsa. The story is good, but the result is better, as an American spontaneous beer blended in the uh, goose tradition with beer from three consecutive years we found it uniquely comparing a peppery nose with lemon lime citrus and woody brett note leads to a bright mimosa sip tempered by a minerally phenolic funk it never drops too low in tone and the moderate acidity never gets too sharp damn i want to say this i really want one american solera's like sour because that's what apparently what they're known for uh, out in um out in uh, uh, Oklahoma, we've been mostly getting their IPAs uh, out here, but I kind of want to taste some of these. I'd be down to try that. My question was, did they keep it like open while they were driving from Texas to Oklahoma, or did they let it cool ship, start fermenting, and then put it in a tanker t- truck and drive? I'm... Gonna guess the. I'm guessing it was covered because I feel like that's a messy trip down the interstate. <laughs> a messy, awesome trip because you know you want to be right behind that truck when it accelerates. Um, Getting hit with sugar water. I mean, f- fermenting sugar water. Never mind. I. Fuck you. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Seems to be Firestone's a uh, Firestone is a uh, a a theme here because I did. Here's one of the few beers I've actually had on the list um, is Firestone Walker's Nitro Merlin Milk Stout made their list, and um, uh, it is indeed the small things that make for compelling smaller beers. And Firestone Walker's Nitro Merlin Milk Stout at 5.5 percent ABV abounds in these fine-tuned details. While we often focus on aroma and flavor as sources of pleasure in the drinking experience, the details begin well before the sip. I feel like I have to read this a little bit like upper class just to get the full mise-en-scene, the je ne sais yeah, quoi, if you will. The This is way too high class for you. <laughs> begin, the details begin well before the sip with the poor and persistent comey, creamy foam that showcase thoughtful construction. Lacing along the glass tells the story of each gulp, an impressive achievement in a canned beer sold widely. Merlin's nose offered restraint and subtlety, with light roasted coffee and a touch of chai spice, caramel apple, and marshmallow. I don't know where they're getting these flavors. I mean, it's a good beer. I like it, but good God. It eschews the often dessert that so many brewers pursue today, preferring suggestion over statement. Intriguing, but with enough friendly familiarity to feel comfortable. The sip rolls in gently. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just choked. You on, I just choked on that bullshit. Uh, the sip rolls in <laughs> gently and smoothly with a lush, mouth-filling creaminess that still feels succinct and not excessive. Milk and dark, cho- 
dark chocolate notes offer just enough decadence. Um, there are others on that list, but I did want to highlight those. So uh, that so far, that is the best beers of 2020. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, Tyler, do you have anything to add today? Uh, the only thing I have to add is we've got some more breaking news. Uh, Jeremy likes AB InBev's new Social Club Hard Seltzer. You just had to bring that up, didn't you? I was. I did. We were. I, I was. That was going to be my shameful little secret forever. I sold you down river. Um. So we did talk about this. You know, way back, I think in the pre-COVID times when we were still laughing about a uh, a couple who uh, 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 got hungover drunk on a flight and got waylaid because of COVID. Oh, this COVID thing. Oh, isn't it cute? Uh, what a knee slapper. <laughs> but uh, we were talking about seltzers and AB InBev came out with their social club, which was a high-end uh, 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 line of seltzers uh, inspired by cocktails. And I have to say, I am upset about how much I do like them. Mark it in your calendars, everyone. Jeremy Jones told me today if he had to drink one of those, he would buy it. If he was going to drink seltzer, he would buy that to drink. And so he admitted he would give a BMW money outside of the copacetic Black Friday when you buy Bourbon County. Also, Elysian's Pumpkin Beers. Those are the two instances that... And actually, more of that... I mean, Bourbon County, not so much. Any more Bourbon County, I couldn't give a fuck about because there are better bourbon bar- barrel-aged beers. And, I, you know... But I will, like, break down and give Elysian money for their pumpkin beers. I, I do make that concession. And recently, yes, I... You know, Social Club is good. Fuck you, AD. But, yeah, I, I, I don't... Look... It's a hard for a hard seltzer. I like it enough that I actually would spend money on it. Fuck you. Yeah, that's all I had. So, all right. Well, this has been. It's all shame. Uh, if you want more shame <laughs> from, <laughs> this has been. It's all beer. If you want, uh, so uh, uh, check us out on Twitter. We put all of our stories up there. You can see where we got some of this horseshit we've been spewing. Uh, you can like us on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, we put pictures of what we've been drinking. Uh, there will definitely be no hard seltzer. Again, that is uh, my private uh, uh, shame and, uh, and horror. And if you uh, uh, come across any stories you want us to talk about, uh, send us an email. We're at itsallbeer at gmail.com. And, of course, uh, you can probably give us a rating somewhere. We I throw that out every week. It's maybe something that can happen. It would make Tyler feel special, so if you feel so inclined, I know you can do it on iTunes, maybe Stitcher, excuse me, maybe Stitcher, you can do it on Facebook. You could say, like, towards the end, he got really gassy and was really weird and uncomfortable. Really weird and uncomfortable, I feel like that's kind of a good, uh, like, overview of a, you know, inform- like, a lot of information, but weird and uncomfortable. There you go, I just gave you your own review, just copy and paste that. That's all and you make sure do. you go to five stars. <laughs> Five stars, of course, because, you know, that'd just be rude otherwise. Anyway, there you go. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. Uh, I'm going to drink a beer. Have fun. Have fun.